Hey, we want to say thank you to uh, to Andy, to Julie, and for Matt for leading us uh, in worship together this morning. We just appreciate uh, our teams. And uh, you know what? Uh, behind our cameras today, there's just a, a very small group of people uh, helping us pull off what we're doing. Uh, also remotely in another van in another location, uh, enabling us to broadcast and uh, to keep uh, g- allowing us to keep gathering together as the church. I know about you, but uh, I took the opportunity on Friday, Friday night, uh, like probably many of us, to, uh, to sit and to watch the opening of the 32nd Modern Olympic Games. Now, probably uh, your reaction was a little bit like mine. Uh, it was really, it was quite different, wasn't it? Uh, unlike probably any other games, because there were no crowds in that stadium, it kind of just lacked uh, a little bit. It lacked uh, a bit of oomph, and, but it was still still good to be there. And one of the things that uh, probably didn't stop us thinking about, uh, but you know, right around the globe, as people kind of came in and as they waited, there was this sense of anticipation for them as they awaited uh, the final event of this opening ceremony, the lighting of the Olympic flame. Now, this flame, well, it's kind of traveled uh, in all kinds of different uh, uh, ways. It's traveled by, by foot, by bicycle, by, by car, by boats, and even thousands of kilometers by a plane to make it to that location for this Olympic Games. And as we uh, waited there for the, uh, the flame, the torch to enter into that place, uh, eventually it kind of came into the hands of two runners. And as they came in, they then, they then took their torch and uh, passed it off, or they passed the flame off to uh, another group of runners who then took that. And eventually it was passed off to Naomi Osaka, who, who took the flame and she climbed to the top of the cauldron and she held out her torch and she lit the Olympic cauldron, the flame that would now burn for the next uh, 14 days or throughout the duration of these games. Now, can you imagine for just a moment if that, if you had been given that particular task to, to carry the torch and to light that flame? I mean, talk about an amazing opportunity. Oh, I could just imagine myself, you know, chest out and just striding into the stadium, running with this torch. And, and if I was the one that got to kind of climb up and then to light the flame, I mean, talk about legend status. I mean, that's the kind of thing that your parents would kind of talk shamelessly about for the rest of their natural lives. And uh, your grandkids, uh, if you're lucky to have grandkids down the track, uh, you know, what they would be doing that every time there was a show and tell, they'd be kind of taking your picture and they would be saying, hey, have you ever seen the time where my grandfather or my grandmother, they, they climbed and they, they lit the Olympic cauldron? And your friends, well, there'd be some sense of pride for them as well too as they realized that you played an important link. You played a link in an important task in the lighting of this torch, in the lighting of this flame. You know, as memorable as that would be, and that would be pretty significant, the reality is that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, we, we, we do carry a torch. And this torch carries a flame of immense value where there is no actual comparison. And the pomp and circumstance that might surround the opening of the Olympics actually pales in comparison to the eternal mission that has been entrusted into our hands by Christ himself. You see, this flame that we carry is much greater than any other symbol in this world. You see, it is the light of God that is desperately needed by a lost and a dying world. 
you know, this past week as I thought about this, you know, if there is ever a time for this flame to shine brighter in our nation, it's right now. You know, this weekend, uh, we know what it's like to be in a lockdown, but, you know, there is over half the population of Australia, around 13 million people that are finding themselves in some form of lockdown at present due to the impact of this ongoing virus. And none of us need to be a rocket scientist to realize that for many people, this is, this is now becoming incredibly tough. It's disheartening. You know, people are giving up. I was just uh, with somebody the other day that reminded me or told me of the tragic news of a, of a young girl right here in Bendigo that had just taken her life. Just had enough. And as I thought about that, as I thought about what I might come and share today, it suddenly dawned on me that in, in light of all that's kind of going on around us, what's really important right now is that we remind ourselves of, of, of what we've been called for. What, what, what in the world is it that we are living for? You see, the reality is, as you think about that question, we might have different answers. What is it that we're meant to be living for? Is it a vaccine? Is it the hope of international borders opening up so we can travel once again to see uh, loved ones around the globe? Uh, Is it a sense of us being outside of maybe uh, finding our freedom and being free of certain rules and restrictions? You know, what is it that we are living for today? Well, the answer to that question, I think, is obviously found in the scriptures. God's word is our hope. And the answer to that is found in some final words that Jesus actually gave to his disciples. This last conversation that we have, probably the last recorded conversation that Jesus ever had with his disciples, it's often referred to as the Great Commission. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew in in Matthew chapter 28. And, And so if you've got a Bible, I want to encourage you to open with me to this last chapter, Matthew being the first book in the New Testament, in the in in the Gospels. And let's have a look at what Jesus said. You know, the fact that we call these words the last or the, the Great Commission may be a little bit intimidating. The word great could make you think that this commission is only for great Christians or for great missionaries. But you see, that's not true. These words of Jesus were a job description outlining what his disciples, his followers, were to do with their lives. See, it was an everyday commission given to every believer for every moment of his or her life. It was a charge for ordinary people to be and to make disciples of Jesus Christ, just like he had done. You see, after his resurrection, the gospel tells us that Jesus, or the gospels tell us that Jesus appeared to uh, his disciples and to others on numerous occasions. But there's only one appearance where Jesus uh, uh, had actually informed that he was going to be there. And, and uh, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, or verse 10, actually, Jesus announced that he was going to appear. And he mentioned this to some women. and He asked them to tell the disciples of where he wanted them to be. Uh, and, he sp- and, and so they did. They spread the news. And in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 28, they went and they told the 11 disciples uh, where to go. And we are then told that they left and they went to the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Now, were they the only ones that had gathered together on that mountain at that point in time? Well, we really don't know. They may have only been the the 11, but there could have been a whole bunch more. But what we do know is that the women had said, Jesus wants you to go to this mountain. And so they headed off uh, just as he'd asked them to do. 
And when they got there, this is what happened. And let's pick this up uh, in verse 18 and moving forward. Matthew tells that Jesus came and he told his disciples these words. He said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, for just a moment, let's just have a bit of a think about some of these words. I mean, did Jesus say all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me? So go and educate people about me through the transference of good biblical information. Well, no, that's not what he was saying in this. Did he say uh, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me? So go and attract uh, uh, other people to me through your great ministry programs. Well, he didn't say that either. And neither did he say uh, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. So go and serve your local community. Go and do good and, and help people and care for people. But this is what he did say. He said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. You see, Jesus gave them a great charge, a charge to make disciples of all the nations. I mean, this quite literally means he was telling them to go and make disciples or other followers of himself, to go and make disciples who would make other disciples who could make other disciples of Jesus Christ. And this single activity of making disciples, well, if you look at the life of Jesus, it was his driving force. It was everything that he did. He poured his life into a few men, and he taught them how to make other disciples. If you read through the Gospels, if you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll notice that 17 times in the Gospels, he is with the crowds. He certainly gathered with them, but 46 times we see him only with his disciples. He literally poured the entire life of his ministry, three and a half years, into these 11 individuals. And what was the impact? Well, the impact of this is certainly captured in the book of Acts. See, within two years of the Spirit having been poured out at Pentecost, we're told in Acts chapter 5 that these few disciples had filled Jerusalem with the teaching of Jesus. And within nearly four and a half years uh, later, they had planted multiplying churches that had, and, and were equipping multiplying disciples. And within 18 years, Acts chapter 17, it was said of them that they had turned the world upside down for Christ. And within 28 years, the Apostle Paul, who has now come to faith as a result of their faithful ministry too, It's said by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Colossians that the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the entire world. See, on that day, on a mountain in the region of Galilee, a group of disciples heard these final words of Christ and it suddenly dawned on them. They knew exactly what what they were being called to do, what they were meant to be doing for the rest of their lives. They were to be torchbearers of the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, as 
as you think about this, as I think about this, I cannot escape the fact today that, that you and I uh, are called, well, we are the beneficiaries of their willingness to, to pick up that torch and to run and to carry the flame of Christ's love to a lost and a dying world. You see, these men and women, they didn't give in or give up when the going got tough. And when persecution broke out, and it did, what did they do? They didn't just run. They actually doubled down on their task with even greater focus of being and making disciples of Christ. They did what they were called to do. And today, uh, you and I, if we carry the name of Jesus, if we are following Jesus, then we are part of their legacy. We are part of the fruit of their willingness to kind of carry the flame of the love of Jesus Christ to a lost and a dying world. So I want to encourage us today, well, what do these final words of Christ mean for you and, and I as we kind of try to make our way through these troubled times? Well, really, in essence, Jesus would say to us, go and make disciples of all the nations. His charge to make disciples wasn't just the responsibility of, of just these early men and women or just uh, uh, something that a, a few highly committed others would kind of pick up throughout the course of their lives. See, the Great Commission to make disciples is, in fact, every believer's task. And it doesn't matter where you might find yourself today. You might be at school. You might be a young adult at university. You might be uh, working. You could be uh, uh, serving in the military in some location. You might be a parent endeavoring to raise young children. You're a single and you're blazing your career. Or, or maybe you come to the end of your career and you're looking forward to the, the, the golden years of retirement. Can I just urge you and remind you that God has placed you in those locations and he's strategically done it and he's entrusted you with the responsibility of being a torchbearer. See, that's what we're called to do. That's what we're meant to be living for. You know, what does that mean for us? What do the final words of Jesus mean for us as a church in the midst of a global pandemic? Well, they aren't any different. Just as Jesus says to us, go and make disciples, he says the same thing to us as a church, go and make disciples of all the nations. And if there was ever a time for us as a church to step up and to lean in and and to take on our responsibility of being a torchbearer of Christ, it is now. You see, we must not let our current circumstances get in the way of the mission of Christ. Things might seem a little crazy and chaotic and out of control, but we cannot let the challenge of these times stop us from living at our calling. But here's what we must do. You see, we must keep pushing ahead with, the, with our God-given mission of making biblical disciples and relational environments. That's what we're called to do. You see, that explains why we continue to invest in things like the Bendigo Winter Night Shelter. You know, in the midst of lockdown, we still have people that are in those places caring and loving for people because it's all about Jesus. You see, it's why we encourage our own people to connect into their life groups, even if it's going to be online for the exact purpose of continuing to pursue and to encourage one another to keep growing up in Christ. It's why Life Essentials continues to to care for the poor and the marginalized during these times. We open our doors because it's all about Jesus. And it even explains why Nexus in these times, as disheartening as it might be, is endeavoring to do whatever is possible to get 50 kids on the stage. It's all about Jesus. 
You see, if there was ever a time for us as a church to keep taking Holy Spirit inspired, courageous steps of faith, it is now. Church, I, can't, I cannot stress that enough. Now is our time to keep shining as we seek to be and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. You see, for some of us who are watching, you know, these final words of Jesus, what they do for us is they just serve as a great reminder of something that we are already kind of living out in our lives. And if that's you, then I keep cheering on, keep carrying that torch, keep carrying the flame of Christ's love to a lost and a dying world. But maybe for others of us, you know, over the last six months, 12 months, 18 months, you see, we're followers of Jesus, but we've kind of lost our way a little bit. And these words of Christ, they serve as a reminder, telling us of what we need to be doing with our lives. You see, disciple making isn't just something that we do. It's everything that we do with our lives. You know, just before Jesus went to the cross, you've got uh, this evening where he gathered together with his disciples. Remember, it was the Passover. They gathered together to celebrate and to remember what God had done. And as they gather together, Jesus begins to speak into their lives as to what is coming. And they don't quite completely understand that. But in John chapter 14 and verse 14, uh, as he speaks to his disciples, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. What did Jesus mean by this? You know, uh, there are some believers today that uh, uh, see these words as a reference to us performing great and wonderful miracles. But I actually believe that Jesus was referencing something that would happen through those who were faithful to his charge to make disciples. See, Jesus was only given three and a half years to pour his life into 11 reproducing disciples. But you see, but by God's grace, those of us who are watching today, you and I, we might have 20, 30, 40, or even 50 plus years ahead of us of making disciples, giving each of us the opportunity to to do even greater things than Jesus did to fulfill what Jesus talked about. You know, what's that going to look like for you today as someone who says, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, I want you to imagine for just a moment what that might look like. Can you imagine being in heaven one day and looking back behind you and seeing possibly hundreds or even thousands of men and women who are following along behind because you took seriously the the call of Jesus Christ on your life to be his torchbearer, to pick up his torch and to carry the flame of his love to a lost and a dying world. You see, that's something worth getting excited about. And that's something worth living for. See, I want to encourage this church uh, in the coming days and weeks. See, we're not meant to be living for a vaccine. We're not meant to be living just in hope that the national borders are going to be ho- are going to open up soon. We're not just called to, to live for maybe this freedom that we so long for from rules and restrictions. God calls us to live to be a torchbearer, 
to live and to, to carry his love to a lost and a dying world. It's the gift. It's the responsibility he gives to us. And he invites us to take a hold of that with our lives. What is it that you are going to live for in the coming days and weeks as a follower of Jesus Christ? Jesus turned to 11 men. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Hey, where you are right now, I want to take a moment. I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us as individuals and I want to pray for us as a church. As these words, maybe these words are hitting us for the very first time. Maybe we've heard these words before. But that is the Holy Spirit speaks to us about our how we're going to respond. I want to pray for us today. Would you join me right where you are? Maybe in your home. Maybe I want to encourage you to stand with me right now. Stand in this place as I pray. Let's do that. Father God, we want to thank you that you've made it incredibly clear on how we are to go about living out our lives as followers of your son, Jesus Christ. In every season of our life, in those good moments and in those bad moments, in the moments in which we celebrate and the moments in which we're doing it incredibly tough. God, your purpose and your calling on our life is incredibly clear. Jesus said to go and make disciples. Father, for those that are watching today who are already living that out and, and are running hard after that purpose, Father, I pray that you would encourage them with the fruits of their labors. Your word says in, in, the, in the gospel of John that if we uh, abide in the vine, that we will bear much fruit, that if we remain connected to your son, Jesus, that if we draw our nourishment from him and remain connected to him, that, then we will see the fruit of our labors. And so, Lord, I pray that, uh, God, you would encourage us today as individuals and as a church, that we would see not just some fruit, but we would see much fruit through these times. Father, I pray that you would... You would uh, uh, throw open the floodgates of heaven and that we would not just see little bits and pieces of your blessing, but that we would see in this city today and in this year, God, the fruit of what you are doing in and through churches right across this, uh, through, through this city as we continue to live out what it looks like to be and make disciples. Father, for others of us who maybe feel like we've lost our way a little bit, or this call upon our lives to, to make disciples just seems a little bit overwhelming. Lord, would you remind us in this moment that you haven't called us to walk this journey on our own. In the same commission, you told us, you promised us that you would be with us, that we could count on the fact that you would be with us in a supernatural way to the very ends of the age. Father, thank you for that promise. A promise that was given to those of us who are willing to kind of live out uh, your calling to draw close to you and to align our lives with your life and your calling upon our lives. Father, would you give courage to those this morning who know that this is what they need to start doing with their life. For those who maybe have dropped the ball but want to pick that back up again, they want to grab a hold of that torch and keep running that race and passing along the flame. Lord, to that end, would you inspire us? Would you equip us? Would you continue to bear great fruit in our lives? And we pray this for Jesus' sake. And everyone said, Amen.